Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Behanna, and as always, alongside me, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode? I can't complain, Garrett. Uh, much of the same. Just uh, kind of got sick of that cold weather we got there and some snow and some ice, but uh, turned around the last couple of days, got a little bit nicer here. Yeah, it's uh, the the weather. It looks like it's finally starting to to turn, make a turn for the better. If if you're like us too, Robbie, I know you're in Johnstown, and I'm a little bit south of Pittsburgh, and finally starting to make that nice transition into springtime, which means only one thing: springtime hockey, which also equates to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, as we record this on the last day of March in 2022, we'll get into the the final month of the regular season. And as we've talked about before, it looks like the the seeding in the Eastern Conference is is basically all that's left for play is trying to determine which team gets which opponent. Uh, and it looks like the Pittsburgh Penguins are on a collision course with fellow divisional rival, the New York Rangers, for the first round matchup in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. And we will get to that. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll talk about that a little bit more throughout as this podcast episode goes along. But as always, we'll start off this podcast episode with a look at the recap segment over the last couple of games the Penguins have played. And uh, we'll go back through the last three games. And two of the last three games have featured the probable first round opponent in the New York Rangers. We'll start with the game on March 25th. Uh, the Penguins and Rangers meet, and uh, this was the second meeting of the season between these two teams after Pittsburgh got a very narrow one nothing victory. The New York Rangers came out firing in the first period, scoring three goals by Alexis Lafreniere, uh, Chris Kreider, and Frank Vitrano. It was 3 nothing by the 4-16 mark of the first period of play, and uh, unfortunately, Robbie, it looked like the Penguins... We're, we're asleep at the wheel. They finished this game with only 21 shots on goal. Chris Kreider gets his second goal of the game, 44th of the season, a shorthanded goal to extend the Rangers' lead to 4 to nothing. Uh, Jeff Carter would break the shutout in the third period, get his 15th goal of the season on the power play. And Andrew Kopp, which, who was brought over in the trade deadline, gets his 14th goal of the season, his first as a New York Ranger. Uh, New York wins this one by a score of 5-1. to one. Like I mentioned, Pittsburgh only gets 21 shots on goal. They do win 62% of their face-offs and go 1-4 for four on the power play. But, uh, Robbie, looking at how important points are in the Metropolitan Division, especially against a team like the Rangers, who you are duking it out with for the remainder of this season and presumably into the first round of the playoffs, uh, I'll hand the microphone over to you. What do you make of this this five to one drubbing at the hands of the New York Rangers from March 25th. Uh, well, I mean, up front wasn't good. Um, uh, not at all. I mean, when you give up, what would you say, three goals in the first five minutes or something like that? I didn't even, I didn't, I barely got the game on and I turned it on. It's already three nothing. And I'm thinking, man, days, I don't think I'm going to make it through this. And yeah, not, not, not a good performance in the garden. Um, you have games like that, but. Uh, I'd feel a little better about it if it was November or December, not five, six weeks left in the season against a team that you're uh, likely going to see in the first round um, of these of these playoffs. And the, the, I know the Penguins got a win against them a couple weeks prior back home, but it's it, they've only scored two goals at this point uh, through these two games. They'd only scored two goals against the Rangers, and 
Uh, one was a game winner. They won that game one nothing, and then this one was really just a a junk goal uh, by Carter uh, after they were already down big in the third period. Uh, weren't gonna uh, mount any comeback at that point, but uh, yeah, not not great, um, not promising. But hey, you're gonna have games like this. You just hope that um, you can tighten things up and uh, make a better impression the, uh, the next time you see them on the ice. But yeah, if this was uh, uh, the first time you watch these two teams play, you think that, hey, man, the Rangers must be uh, a much better team than the Penguins. And in reality, uh, really, not totally. The Penguins 5-on-5 five five are probably better than uh, the Rangers with uh, the big difference The big difference being in goal. And so far, uh, the Rangers, though, the Penguins did win that one game, have had the better of the goaltending. So, uh, something to keep an eye on, and I, I know they played a couple nights later, but there's one in between there that we'll talk about here in a second. But as for this game on the road at the Garden, yeah, not not a great message to send just a couple weeks before the playoffs against your likely first-round opponent. So how would the Penguins respond after getting blown out by the Rangers on March 25th? Well, fast forward to March 27th. The Penguins meet the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings really aren't going anywhere this season, although they do have some very good, young, promising talent that uh, Steve Eiserman is certainly looking to build around. But, uh, boy, Robbie, you alluded to it right before uh, you handed it back over to me. This was a history-making performance for the Pittsburgh Penguins, beating the Detroit Red Wings by a score of 11-2. to The Penguins score five goals in the second period, four goals in the final 20 minutes of play. Uh, Detroit never really looked like much of a challenge for these Penguins. Kasperi Kapanen gets the scoring going uh, at the 416 mark of the first period. His 11th goal of the season. Good to see Kapanen starting to break out of that very, very long funk. Looks like he has developed some nice chemistry with Jeff Carter down uh, on that third line there with Carter centering Kapanen on his right side. Uh, this game was also noteworthy for an Evgeny Malkin hat trick. Malkin getting his 14th, 15th, and 16th goals of his season. Sidney Crosby gets his, I believe, his 24th goal of his campaign right before the second period comes to an end. And also of note, Ricard Raquel getting his 17th goal of the season. And first, as a Pittsburgh Penguin, he scored the final of the 11 goals uh, at the 17:08 mark of the third period, uh, again, really just a completely dominant performance. You had to think, Robbie, that Pittsburgh came into this one. They knew they had the Red Wings on their schedule after a very, uh, very, very uncharacteristic performance against the Rangers, one that obviously uh, you can obviously tell that they did not like the way they played in that game. It's all about the response, and boy, did they respond in kind against the Detroit Red Wings here, winning 11-2. to So, again, I'll hand it over to you, Robbie. Uh, certainly a lot of goals to talk about, a lot of highlights from this one. What did you take away from this uh, historic 11-2 to victory over the Detroit Red Wings on March 27th? Yeah, I mean, not much more to say than a wow, because, man, I mean, when you're putting 11 goals on the board, you're talking, obviously, historic, as you mentioned. I believe it's the first time since 2003 or something like that that the team scored uh, 11 goals in a period, and we're ta- that's going all the way back. I mean, that's pre-lockout. So much has changed in the NHL uh, since then. So, yeah, it's 11 goals, that's, I mean, that's a lot of goals. And it just seemed like, I mean, the Penguins were – 
I mean, the the Red Wings registered a bunch of shots, but the goaltending in that game was just, I mean, awful for them. I, uh, I the Penguins were probably winning that game anyway, even if the Red Wings get uh, a few more stops. But when you give up eleven goals, your goalie's just that. I mean, that's that can't happen, uh, especially at the pro level. And yeah, I mean, that's why it's so rare. I mean, it hasn't happened in almost twenty years. And man, the Penguins really. Uh, Whatever frustrations they had from the Rangers game uh, two nights before, they took it out on the poor, the poor Red Wings, and that was just uh, an absolute uh, blitzkrieg of of goals there. Malkin with the hat trick uh, after missing some time, after missing a few games with an illness. Um, Ricard Raquel getting his first, and I guess the good the the one thing you can take away from that game is the the yeah they scored eleven goals. Malkin had three of them, but there was. Um, seven other guys that got on the score sheet as well in that game. So uh, you had, uh, no, I mean, yeah, nine other guys, I believe, got on the goal, goal sheet in that game. Um, so, yeah, very, very impressive performance, obviously. Just uh, a complete domination. I mean, once the puck started going in, it was pretty much um, over for that point for the for the Red Wings. The Penguins were just too much firepower. And... Just, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of response you want to see against a bad team, and that's what the Penguins gave you, and that was about the as perfect as you, I mean, more than perfect than Mike Sullivan could ever imagine, because you don't go out with the game plan of scoring 11 goals uh, any night. You just go out there, play your game, and hey, when the puck's going in, the puck's going in, and that's what it did. And uh, good for the fans that are at that game because that's something you do. That's, I mean, that's a rare. It's rare to witness. I mean, four or five goals in the game. I think the most I ever personally saw in a game was, I mean, I want to say six or seven back in that. We're talking back in the mid-90s at that point. So, um, yeah, that was uh, just a bonanza of goals. And, um, yeah, it's good to see a lot of guys get on the score sheet and Malkin have have a Malkin-type performance in that game. So after the historic victory against the Red Wings, the Penguins would once again move on March 29th, again playing the New York Rangers. This time, the the Rangers also becoming the victors here, winning this one a close affair, clo- closer affair than the five one game that the Rangers won previously. This one, the Rangers win by a score of three to two. However, Brian Boyle gets the scoring going for the Penguins, gives the Penguins the early lead at the fourteen twenty four mark of the first period of play. Going into the second period, however, Frank Vitrano would get another goal, his fifteenth of the season for the Rangers to tie the game at one, and uh, Braden Schneider would get his second goal of his season. New York takes the lead with uh, 17 at the 1704 mark with just under three minutes to play before the second intermission. Uh, we go into the third period now. Chris Kreider gives uh, gives the Rangers a 3-1 to lead on the power play just over a minute into the third period. Sidney Crosby would get his 25th goal of his season on the power play as well at the midway point of the third period. And there was a, a short flurry there towards the end of regulation with Pittsburgh trying to tie it up. Unfortunately, uh, they don't get that game-tying goal to take it to overtime. As I mentioned, Pittsburgh loses this one by a score of 3-2. to two. Robbie, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, you mentioned it when you were recapping, giving your thoughts on the first meeting between the Penguins and Rangers here. Uh, at that point, like you said, they had only put 
they 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 win that one nothing game and then they lose five to one. That between those two games, you're only putting two goals up on Igor Shosturkin, who many obviously believe is the the uh, Vesna the presumptive Vesna winner this season for his fantastic play for the New York Rangers. And this was another game in which Shosturkin played very well, making 22 saves on 24 shots. Good for a 917 save percentage. The Penguins only put, they put 21 shots on the Rangers uh, and presumably Shesterkin. They put 21 shots in the 5-1 to loss on the Rangers. And in this loss, they only put 24 shots to the Rangers 26. So one of the keys to uh, eventual hopeful victory going into the postseason against this team has to be continuously peppering Igor Shosturkin in net. That, that has to be one of the biggest ways that the Penguins are going to beat him. Create traffic in front of him, keep peppering him, whether he's giving up rebounds, keep peppering him in front of his net, because 21 shots and 24 shots, while it's not terrible, those, those aren't terrible shot totals, but you're obviously going to need more. You know the Rangers are riding this hot goaltender. That you, They've been riding this hot goaltender for so long into this point in the season, and there's no reason to believe that they're not going to continue to ride him into the postseason. That has to be one of the big things Mike Sullivan is trying to preach to his team is get as much traffic you can in front of the goaltender, get as many shots and attempts as you can on him. The more you fire away and try and break down his armor, the more successful you might be in trying to score more than two goals in the first two meetings. And again, only scoring two goals here uh, against Shesterkin in this 3-2 to two loss. So, Robbie, I'll hand it over to you. What were your impressions from the March 29th game against the Rangers? Yeah, I had to pretty much agree with everything uh, that you said right there because uh, what you uh, that's perfect. You can't you if you're only getting twenty to twenty five shots on him a night, it's not going to be enough because it's not it's just it's he's not working hard. He's not you're not making you're not making him make the saves. And I mean, if you throw forty shots on him and you score once, hey, credit to him uh, for uh, for playing a great game. And he's a great goalie, and we know that. So you have to. You got to get shots on. You got to create traffic. You got to make a move, but you got to make them work more importantly than anything. And the only way to do that is put the puck on net. That game was. It felt like a microcosm of so many frustrations the fans have with the Penguins trying to make the perfect pass and beat the goalie the perfect shot. Listen, in a game like that, or even in a playoff series, you got to get them dirty. You got to get the deflection. You got to get it to bounce off a skate, off a stick off something make him move make him make the save don't just shoot it right at him the extra pass you're giving the defense a chance to make a play you're giving um you're just you're just putting too many uh variables in the air when you do stuff like that and it's really uh, it's obviously frustrating and there were times in this game the penguins could have grabbed control of this hockey game and they didn't they had to push at the end after making a one goal game uh Gensel had the one great opportunity that they couldn't go and but you I mean you got there's so many other things in that game as well. The power play wasn't good. They let up a couple of not great goals uh, by Jari, Chris Kreider. I mean, Chris Kreider is almost 50 goals and I think 30 of them were on the power play. I mean, you got to That's just stuff you got to cut out of the game. Uh, defensively, you just got to take those opportunities away. But to beating the Rangers in in May, it's going to come down to beating Shesterkin. And the way to do that is going to be just peppering him with shots. 30, 35, 40 shots a night. You can't always go for the perfect pass. Just get the puck on net, make him work, create rebounds, create chaos in front of his net. Eventually, 
I mean, he's a great goalie, but you're putting that many shots on him at night. Eventually, they're going to start bouncing in. And that's just how it works, especially over the course of a seven-game series. You're going to need that because he's going to steal a game or two. You just got to try to limit what he can do, and you just got to put as much pressure on him as you can. So hopefully the Penguins can – they look back on this. They watch tape. Uh, they play him again here in a couple of days. Um, and then again in what is likely a first-round playoff series in May – that they got to know what they do going into that game and uh, that series. And let's let's make no mistake, Robbie. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll be the one to say it and I'll be blunt. The Penguins, on paper, the Penguins have the better players. I'm not discrediting the Rangers and the, the incredible run that they've gone on this season. They certainly have a lot of young talent to build around in Shesterkin and Lafreniere and a bunch of other these young players that they've been trying to build around for quite some time now. But on paper, the Penguins have more skill they should be able to create many, many more of those offensive uh, offensive chances in the offensive zone to try and pepper Shesterkin, as you said, as we get one of the the biggest victory, the biggest key to victory in May, beating them in a seven game series, is scoring those dirty goals, and the Penguins have more than enough firepower on offense to do that. Like you said, if 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 you put 40, 45 shots on Shesterkin and you only score once or twice. Credit to Shesterkin for for shutting that door and, and playing as well as he has been throughout this season. But uh, with as much offensively gifted uh, firepower as the Penguins have in that forward group, and even on the blue line with with uh, with Latang uh, leading that charge there as well, and Mike Matheson, you certainly have more than uh, enough capable bodies to put that puck in the net, or at the very least, like we've been saying, create traffic and keep putting shots on the the goaltender into the goaltender to try and break through. But uh, with that, we will switch to the main topic that I'd like to talk about this week, Robbie. And uh, you might have looked at this. Uh, you might have looked at this last night or this morning when I sent you the outline, and you might have thought, "Hmm, I, I'm not so quite sure about this one." But uh, with with Ricard Raquel recently coming over from the Anaheim Ducks, and there's been a lot of talk about. Uh, who can the Penguins afford to re-sign given that they are so up close to the salary cap next season? Well, let's talk about Ricard Raquel and whether or not it it would be a wise move in trying to re-sign him to a bit of a long-term contract. Raquel, uh, of note, is one year younger than Brian Rust, whose contract is also expiring at the end of this season. Uh, There was news a couple of days ago that the NHL salary cap will increase by $1 million next season. So with that, Robbie, combined with the possibility of shedding a contract like like Jason Zucker, Zucker is signed through the end of next season at five and a half million dollars of a cap hit. Looking at a guy like Brian Dumoulin, he he has become a, a target that could be possibly moved. He doesn't look like the same defenseman that he's been for so many so many seasons on that top pairing with Latang. He's signed through next season at a cap hit of. 4.1 million. So there's roughly 9.9.5 million, if my math's correct, right there. If you were to trade or buy out some of these contracts, uh, again, this is all hypothetical. Uh, let's say Brian Rust leaves in free agency. You want to try and lock down. Let, let's say that they're the trying to lock down Latang and Malkin to to contract extensions to. Let's say they sign three-year extensions to end out with the same time Crosby's contract does. There have been rumblings that Evgeny Malkin has been asking for 
somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to seven and a half million dollars, which is two million dollars less than what his current contract is uh, this season. I think this season he's making nine point five million. So if Evgeny Malkin is willing to take a pay cut, Chris Letang wants a little bit of a raise. Uh, like I already mentioned, you could possibly shed a couple of contracts, let Brian Rust walk. Robbie, I know it's a weird question. Raquel has only played five games in the black and gold, but would you be would you entertain this thought? Would you entertain the possibility of extending Raquel and letting Brian Rust walk? Or do you think that this is just a, a crazy scenario and you really don't see one way this happens one way or another? Um, I think everything has to be on the plate this offseason. There's obviously a lot of movements going to be going on. Um, guys are going to be leaving. Um, so I, I, who's leaving exactly? I don't know, depending on what the salary cap works out to. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot. I think it has to be at least contemplated or at least uh, something that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke have to uh, inquire about because maybe Raquel's a guy that uh, can fit in nicely as a second second line player working with a small sample size so so far here in Simon Pittsburgh, but uh, you never know. I mean, it definitely has to be on the table. You don't know what's going to happen with Brian Russ. You, I think everybody at least kind of expects Evgeny Malkin to be back. Um, I think that's the momentum is going that way. I think that's the way that at least the higher ups in the Penguins want everything to go that way. But then you factor in Chris Letang. I mean, is he want a raise? Can they afford that? Uh, do they want to give him the length uh, that he's likely going to be looking for at his age? Uh, Brian Rust, obviously, he's 30 uh, or going to be 30. And Raquel's a little bit younger, but Rust probably has a little bit better finishing ability than uh, uh, than Raquel does. And then you mentioned Brian Dumoulin, Mike Matheson. Uh, these guys potentially uh, moving on this offseason. And I think Marcus Pedersen's in that conversation as well. And if the right... Uh, depending on what happens with Latang, I think that affects a lot with John Marino, his future in Pittsburgh is. But yeah, you, you're going to have a lot of guys leaving this offseason, whether that's uh, on their own volition or the Penguins decide to uh, make a trade to get some of these contracts off the books. Obviously, uh, Brian Dumlin, if you followed along um, online, there's definitely some questions about his health and his play this season. Uh, Mike Matheson is obviously a very hot and cold player. There's games where he looks great. There's games where he looks not so great. Is that a contract you can uh, get out the door? Uh, Perhaps. I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, I think Raquel, I mean, if he wants to stay in Pittsburgh and there can be a mutual agreement on a reasonable contract, I think it absolutely is something that needs to be on the table because you don't know exactly who's leaving. Um, You don't know exactly who's coming. Maybe Raquel ends up being your most affordable option to replace some of these guys. So I think overall, yeah, it's absolutely it's not something I would absolutely write off at this moment um, or anything like that because um, you, you just don't know what's coming this offseason uh, between who's going and who's staying. So I think overall, all options are on the table for, for the front office uh, in regards to keeping Ricard Raquel past this season. I agree, Robbie. And it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason, really, no matter what happens to the Penguins in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, if if they get eliminated by the Rangers in the first round, you have to think maybe a little bit more change than originally thought could happen. But again, like you said, these are conversations that I'm sure the front office will be having with one another. Uh, but again, these are conversations, and this is like I said at the start, this is a complete hypothetical. These are conversations that are to be had 
after the playoffs are over and you know everyone has had time to kind of regroup and rethink of where do we go from here. But I agree, there's going to be very some very difficult decisions that lie ahead for the Penguins as it relates to certain contracts and certain players who you 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 may not see on this team next year. But again, those are certainly uh, discussions for another day. But we'll switch gears now to the mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, or and you're interested in contributing to this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pennsburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week, we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. Uh, we love getting all sorts of great questions from all of our loyal listeners who take the time to ask us some questions. This week, we have five questions lined up uh, for you, Robbie. And as always, you'll get first crack at the mailbag. Question number one for you comes from Brian, and he asks, you get one forward, one defenseman, and a goalie to build your team around. Who are you choosing? Mine would be, uh, and Brian is saying this, Brian would like Austin Matthews, Tristan Jari. Robbie, what's what's Sider's first name? He's the defenseman for Detroit, I think. Um, his name's Moritz, but he goes by, most people call him Mo Sider, but it's Moritz is his first name. Mo Sider. Okay. So we'll go with, uh, Brian wants Austin Matthews, Mo Sider, and Tristan Jari. Robbie, who are you building your team around? Uh, no offense to Tristan Jari. I like the, the Penguins twist in there, but I'm probably going with a guy like Shesterkin or Andre Vasilevsky. Nothing against Jari. I think he's been obviously fantastic this season, but I mean, looking at a guy like Vasilevsky's body of work, it's just unbelievable uh what he's been able to do um in his short i mean he feels like he's been around forever he's still really young but um a guy like vasileski i'd say i'd have at the top of my list for goaltending forward wise i mean you could pick a name out of a hat you could put all the good young forwards into a hat and pick a name out and you'd probably be good off whether it's austin matthews uh connor mcdavid leon dreisaitl uh, just i mean the, the talent right now in the nhl is just Absolutely um, absurd. So um, I I like the Matthews pick. Um, I'm going to go with McDavid. But, I mean, it's really hard to argue against Matthews because he's clearly a top five player in the league right now. I don't think there's really any arguing about that. He's just phenomenal. But I just think what, what every time I watch Connor McDavid, it's just like watching just a human highlight reel, what he does on his own, and, and a team that is just not – built to be great he he alone and maybe with dry too what they do is just phenomenal up in edmonton and it's a shame that they can't get more around them uh uh down depth wise and on the blue line and in gold to actually make them a true stanley cup a threat because it, what mcdavid does is just phenomenal so i'll go matthews uh vasileski defensively it's really hard to argue with what most siders done this year um, if you've, I know the Red Wings are not a great watch, uh, but most um, <laughs> cider is really good. And I'm going to, while giving credit to Brian for this pick, I do like most cider. I'm going to go with Adam Fox in uh, New York with the Rangers. Uh, reigning Norris Trophy winner. Um, probably going to win a couple of them in his career because he is that good, um, that young. And he's only going to get better. He's probably, like I said, he's probably going to win a couple more Norris trophies by the time he's done. He's going to anchor that blue line for the next 10, 10 years uh, up in New York uh, in the big apple with the Rangers. Uh, obviously hate to say that as a Penguins fan, but 
uh, that's just how it is. So if I was building around from forward to goalie, I'm going to go with Connor McDavid, Adam Fox, and Andre Vasilevsky uh, in the net. Uh, question number two comes from, again, Brian. Uh, what do you think the chances are that Sid either ties or passes Wayne Gretzky for consecutive seasons averaging a point per game? So for those who may not have seen this, uh, with Sidney Crosby only a- able to play in a total of 70 games this season, uh, as of March 29th, Crosby finished with 70 points in 56 games so far. That will ensure that Crosby finishes this season with an average of a point per game for the 17th time in his very illustrious career. Uh, he ties Gordy Howe at the mark with 17, and Wayne Gretzky is currently the leader in this category with 19 straight seasons at a point per game in his career. This is a very interesting question, one that I had to do a bit more thinking about than originally intended because I'm so curious. Everyone always talks about that aging curve. At what age is Sidney Crosby, if ever, is he going to finish below a point per game? So assuming that next season and the season after he plays in a full 82-game slate, he'd obviously have to finish with eight, at least 82 points over the course of over the course of those seasons, I don't know if he'll play a full 82 game slate. The last time he did that was in 2017, 2018. So factor in a couple of missed games for injury. Is it possible? Let's say Crosby, let's say Crosby plays in 70 games. Uh, he'll, he'll play in 70 games next season and 70 games the following season. Can he, can he hit the 70 plus point mark in uh, the fall, those following seasons as well. I think he can. Uh, he'd be entering his age 35 and 36 season to uh, reach that number, that 19th year in a row of doing that. If he were to pass Gretzky, obviously he would need an additional season to do that. But it's tough to say because the aging curve is a real thing. Sidney Crosby isn't getting any younger. Uh, he's still one of the best in the world, one of the best in the game, no question about it. It, it. It's just tough to say because we don't know what an elder statesman Crosby will look like. What what will his role look like? Will be will he be focused more on defense? Will he still be averaging a point per game or over a point per game? I'm not taking him out of that conversation until the day he hangs up his skates. I think he's that good. But it just comes down to seeing how well Crosby ages and you know, hopefully, hopefully for our sake as Penguins fans, he's continuing to average that point per game and continuing to give us highlight real moments, uh, game in and game out over the course of a. Uh, it's a tough grind in 82 game season. So, over the course of however many games he plays over the next couple of seasons as he winds down his career, uh, I'd say there's a, there's a decent chance that he could tie or even pass Gretzky, depending on how high his level of play remains. Question number three comes from Brian. How crazy is it that Tristan Jari has similar, if not better numbers than most of the other goalies in the Vesna conversation, but is not really getting any consideration? The same goes for Mike Sullivan and the Jack Adams Award for the league's best coach. Do you think it's because of the long-term success the Penguins have had over the last 15-plus years? As related to the Vesna Trophy, I think it's because that one goalie has completely locked up that race since like Christmas and just run away with it being uh, Shesterkin in New York, which we've talked about already plenty this episode. He's been phenomenal this year. He's, I mean, he's getting Hart Trophy talk for MVP. I mean, for a go- if a goalie has that kind of talk, he's getting, I mean, he's winning the Vesna. Um, 
he has that locked up pretty much. That's, I mean, it's just been, if you look at Sirkin, if you look at the underlying numbers, I know it's easy to look at, uh, say percentage and, uh, goals, goals against, but uh, the underlying numbers that he is the, um, the goals against that he has saved is just far and beyond pretty much anybody else in the league right now. So, um, you can't really argue with that. Uh, could Jari get some talk? I think he'll probably get some votes. I don't think he'll be one of the finalists, but that conversation, there's not much of a Vesna conversation this year because uh, Igor Shesterkin has pretty much had a bow on that since Christmas. As for the Jack Adams, completely agree on Mike Sullivan. Should have won the uh, Jack Adams since becoming Greenland's coach, but very rarely does that go to the best coach. It goes to the seemingly coach that uh, either pretty much took a um, a team that had low expectations and exceeded those expectations uh, and having a good season. Now, a guy like Brendan Moore is probably on the list this year, took a, taking a very good Carolina team um, to uh, uh, to the top of the Metro Division. Scott Mellonby, not Scott Mellonby, Andrew Burnett uh, will definitely get some votes and probably be a finalist for um, uh, for the Jack Adams for what he's done in Florida after Joe Quenville was fired uh, earlier this season. But uh, Jack or Mike Sullivan absolutely should have won a Jack Adams uh, for his work with the Penguins at some point in his career. And I just think it's so much of looking at having guys like Crosby and Malkin on the roster. Well, yeah, they're supposed to be good without looking the people that vote on the Jack Adams don't look at it any more than surface deep. It seems like sometimes. Uh, so it it's it. Yeah. It sucks for Mike Sullivan. He's an all time great in the league already. He'll probably be a future hall of famer at some point, but it's unfortunate that he'll probably never get an opportunity to win a Jack Adams, at least in Pittsburgh, just because the expectations are, Oh, you have Crosby Malkin. You have all this talent, Crystal Tang, like you're going to be good, whatever. And it doesn't seem to take into effect. They started this year without Crosby. They were without Malkin until like the new year. Um, it, it just, yeah, it just kind of feels like that's kind of what's always. And that the same went for Dan Bilesma as well. Uh, Bilesma did win one the year that Malkin and Crosby went down with, with injuries. And they still, they had like over a hundred points and they were still in the thick of the, the playoff race. Um, even without those two guys. But again, he did it without those guys in the lineup. But any time they were in the lineup uh, and healthy, it always felt like, oh, well, you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. You're, it's easy to coach guys like that when in reality it's not. And that's just kind of a a a something that they the, those guys suffer from here in Pittsburgh. Uh, number four comes from Stephen Whitehouse. Uh, is there anyone else excited to see the Penguins' first-round series against the New York Ranger after Tuesday night's game. Let's be honest, that matchup is basically given at this point. It, it's definitely going to be a very stressful seven-game series, maybe even more so than I originally thought earlier on in the season. Then, then again, earlier on in the season, I'm talking like November, December, I really didn't pay too much attention to the Rangers and how much success they were having, but hey, that, that's on me for not realizing how much talent the Rangers actually have and the fact that they're riding a hot goaltender. But, and I, I, like I said, Robbie, I explained this to you earlier, on paper, the Penguins have the better players. And again, that's not me saying that the Rangers don't have talented players because they absolutely do. They have a probable Vesna winner in net in Igor Shosturkin, and he looks like a very credible, credible successor to Henrik Lundqvist. But 
are the Rangers ready to be in that kind of position without a lot of playoff experience and a lot of young players on their roster? They really haven't experienced the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, and often more downs than ups of, of a Stanley Cup playoff run. Will they get their moment in the sun? Probably. If not this season, they're probably going to be built for several more seasons down the line as the Penguins are coming down off of that roller coaster. The Rangers will be going up. But yeah, I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Because like I mentioned to Robbie and all of you earlier, one of the biggest keys, if not the biggest key, is going to be peppering Shesterkin, peppering whoever is in net because you have that much firepower on offense. That's assuming everyone's healthy, obviously, but that's another conversation for another time. Yeah, th there's no reason not to be excited. Um, it's not the New York Islanders, so you know you don't have that kind of kryptonite uh, to play against Barry Trotz in the first round this year. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yes, the, the Penguins are more than capable of beating the New York Rangers in a seven-game series. Absolutely. Like Robbie said, you might win a bunch of dirty games in a seven-game series. You might win two to one, three to two, and it might be a lot closer than you're comfortable admitting you want it to be, but those are the games that you're going to have to win in order to win a championship. That, there's just no way around it. But can the Penguins do it? Absolutely. I firmly believe that they can beat the Rangers in seven games. Question number five for you, the last one of the day, Robbie, comes from Tony Nakunin. The fourth line has been great with Brian Boyle and uh, Redeem Zahorna on the wings. They seem to provide more scoring than uh, Brock McGinn or Evan Rodriguez at the moment. Could they keep the fourth line attached and have someone like Kasperi Kapanen or McGinn or Rodriguez or, or Danton Heinen compete for the, the, the other two remaining spots? Yeah, definitely got to like what you're seeing out of Boyle and uh, Redeem Zahorna uh, right now. I think Boyle has, I think this was mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, either in a question or in the main topic about bringing Boyle back next year. And I think assuming he, if they don't win a Stanley cup and he decides to go out on top or whatever, that if I think if he wants to come back, that Brian Boyle's played himself into a contract uh, for next year, veteran minimum one year. Um, Cause he clearly can still play. He's not going to go out there and score 10, 15 goals. You don't need him to good on the penalty kill, huge body, not afraid to create a little havoc in front of the net. Um, and, for just a sound player. And I think that, I mean, for a guy that they got for basically cheap on a PTO uh, right before camp, couldn't ask for more out of Brian Boyle. Um, I think I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe it redeems a Hornets contract becomes one way next year. So I think the idea has always been that next year is his full-time audition uh, in the NHL. And if he's getting his feet wet this year, you know, he got, he dabbled a little bit last year, but, it seems like right now he's kind of working himself into this lineup. And for that to happen, it's going to come at the expense of somebody. And and kind of the same for Boyle, because Boyle is a bubble guy when everybody's healthy. So he might be making um, somebody work for their for their job as well. And I think Danton Heinen is a pretty safe uh, everyday player. Um, but after that, I mean... McGinn has hurt. We don't know when he's coming back, so that's a. But they paid him a lot of money, so it, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, though, I mean, it just it doesn't seem like everything's clicking right now. So if we look and maybe Rodriguez goes to the press box just to get him uh, some time off, just reevaluate. Maybe something. There's an injury under there that we don't know about. I don't know, uh, but I mean, right now Zahorna and Boyle are making cases to be permanent fixtures in this lineup. And I really think Boyle right now, the way he's playing, 
I think he is in that lineup every night uh, until something goes goes sideways. I really think that's uh, the situation with Brian Boer right now. And Zahorna, a mini audition before his big audition next year, has been a very good player for them. And that's a lot of size, too. Um, to have a guy like Boyle and Zahorna on the same line's a beefy line. Um, so what happens with the other winger on there? I don't know. Brock McGinn, when he comes back, where does that fit in? Rodriguez, what's his situation? Uh, just struggling mightily right now. Kapanen, I really don't see them pulling him out of the lineup because his speed just does so much. Um, Heinen, I, I just he's going to score probably 20 goals this year, so you're not going to take a guy like that out of the lineup. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Mike Sullivan decides going forward. But um, overall, Zahorna and Boyle, yeah, been great. That's about as as Tony put it, about as good as I could. Just they've been great. Um, no complaints there, and you just hope it continues and uh, they can find a good match to go along with that uh, as we go along here. It's a it's a good problem to have for the Penguins, but it's it's one that they have to address. There, it's a good problem to have so much quality depth that you can plug in in your bottom six, but. Again, there are only so many spots to spots to go around. It's it's a competitive game, and the, the 12 best players should be out there on every night, especially in the playoffs. So uh, it's definitely going to be something to watch as we as we inch closer now. Now that we're into the final month of the regular season, and you know Mike Sullivan still has some time to mix and match and try and find some more chemistry with the line combination so it'll be interesting to see what kind of crazy things Mike Sullivan might co- might concoct uh with about 15 or so games left before we get into the nitty-gritty and that being the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs but that will do it for this episode of the Pensburg podcast for Robbie Noggle I have been Garrett Bahanna again thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg podcast and we will see you all right back here this time next week (laughs) 